sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I've been watching and reading quite a bit about this war um, where Russia is invading the Ukraine. And it's been, yeah, I've been quite emotional just listening to the stories and seeing the, the trauma that people are going through right now. And I want to share into this a bit today, just to give us, I believe it, it's, it's a powerful prophetic picture for all of us, for the church right now. You see, the enemy is invading our homes, our communities. Um, the enemy is, is coming to assault our children. And uh, as you can see on this next slide, that as, as Russia and the Ukraine, as, they, as these two, two um, armies are, are, are clashing, I, be, I believe it's a picture for us of what's happening. Everything I've been reading about it and watching it show, it reveals to me that the Russian invasion is an immoral invasion. And... Is driven by the ego of Vladimir Putin, and or maybe even driven by something far worse. And the days ahead will show us where this is going. And so, I've been reading about this President Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. And in 2015, he was an actor and a comedian. So, I was thinking, Vladimir Putin, the president of, of Russia, he was probably thinking, man, we just send a few tanks in and this oh, comedian guy is going to flee. And now the opposite's happening. This guy, he's 44 years old, he's taking a stand. It is so inspiring. I think like 95% of most politicians would have been gone. Like the house in Hawaii, fleeing. And he's like, we're taking a stand. And he's saying, you will not see our backs, you will see our faces. And we will stand, and even if it costs us our lives, we will fight for our land. I'm like, wow, that is, that is rare. It's easy for a politician to speak nicely. It's different when the army tanks, the, the tanks are on their way. They're moving, they are, they are bombarding your cities right now. So this guy is really standing up and... Yeah, just watching the things and listening, I was just really emotional, just really praying for him. And I mean, his family, his kids, they're all they're in Kiev. The guys, we are not fleeing. And so there's a call, there's a cry uh, going out into, into the Ukraine. It's like, guys, come. Everybody that can, come. Join the army. Get a gun. The, 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 the women, the wives are making Molotov cocktails. These, the, you know, they are, they're all... Standing together, fighting for, for their land. And I realize, in the same way right now, our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, is calling. He's saying, guys, join the army of the Lord. Rise up. Don't stand on the sidelines anymore. Don't just contend for your own little deal. There's this massive war and souls at stake join the army of the Lord. And I'm wondering, are we hearing? Are we hearing the voice 
of our commander in chief, Jesus Christ, the original, the ultimate dragon slayer. Jesus is the dragon slayer. And he's saying, join me. Join me as we take a stand against the enemy armies that's wanting to, to take over the land. And so when it comes to war, it's important to understand that the nature of war, it's about deception. It's about propaganda. Okay, propaganda. So I was watching BBC News and I was listening and seeing, and they, they, like, they want to get the in news out. They want to get everything onto social media. They're on the ground there. They want to let the whole world know what's happening. And so I was thinking, I wonder, what is the Russian state news saying at this moment? So I flipped the channel to RT News, Russian, the, like government news. So I'm flipping over that side, and now they are interviewing different people. I was just... Blown away of the level of propaganda. For instance, they would interview one of the rebel mayors of, in the eastern side of the Ukraine. And this guy was going off like, oh, the Ukrainian uh, army is assaulting civilian locations. The Ukrainians are committing genocide on their own people. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh. And then they, they flipped to another interview, some British minister and the guy, or British uh, parliamentarian, and the guy is like, they are handing out automatic weapons to the average civilian. It is so irresponsible. Yeah, it's very irresponsible for you, because the people are going to shoot you when you come and mess with them. Eh? So one of the, uh, so it's, just, it's just amazing. And like, one channel, different channel. And they're lying. It's propaganda. The Russians are lying to their own people. And you always know who's lying. Because when they want to suppress information, that's the one that is lying. You know, the Russians have shut down Facebook in Russia. They have, they're bullying the, the, the independent media to stop saying it's an invasion. It's just a military operation. And, and I realize that's the nature of war. The public opinion. The, what, what are people believing? Because the thing is, our enemy is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. The devil is a deceiver. He's called a deceiver. And he goes forth to the nations to deceive the world. And so we need to understand the nature of this fight. 2,000 years ago, Jesus overcame the enemy. He fulfilled prophecy from the book of, uh, of Genesis where it said that the seed will crush the serpent's head. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus crushed the serpent's head when he died at the cross. Dragon slayer. But now, you can say, but Andre, um, it doesn't look like it. There's so much evil in the world. It really doesn't look like Jesus has slain the dragon. So what's happening here? You see, Jesus did slay the dragon. The dragon became a mouse with a microphone, as I've been sharing. But he's also a serpent with a silver tongue, meaning he's a deceiver. So if you would look at the armies of God, the armies of the Lord, we are armed up to our teeth. We are, 
We've got weapons, powerful weapons. You look at the enemy army, disarmed. No weapons. Jesus disarmed the enemy and reduced the enemy to this you know, mouse of the microphone. But so what's happening? But why does the enemy feel so powerful? Because what he does is he deceives you and me and then we hand over our weapons to the enemy. And he uses it against us. We hand over our authority. We hand over our peace, our joy, our faith. And then... Okay, so this is really important. The enemy... When you look at this massive dragon, the picture in Revelation chapter 12, this massive fiery dragon with ten heads and whatever else, he looks scary, but if you come closer, you see he has no teeth. He has no teeth, but he has the silver tongue. He's a deceiver. And through deception, he steals from us. So I want to reveal to you how you and I can fight this battle. Because when you get deceived, it is terrible. Because you think you're right, but you're actually wrong. It's a terrible place to be. And I feel like there's a whole lot of believers being deceived right now. And the result is we're standing on the sidelines. We're not signing up for the army of the Lord. We're not standing. We're not hearing the voice of our commander-in-chief because of the deception. And I'm trusting through this message Today, that we're going to move into a place of hearing the voice of the Lord and being set free from deception. Amen. Okay, so I want to share with you four principles of overcoming deception. Amen. So are you ready to be set free? Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen. Okay, so let me pray for us and I'm going to unpack this. Father, we thank you. That you are good, you are powerful, you are faithful. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would hear the voice of our commander-in-chief calling us to the battlefront. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let your spirit of truth impact our hearts right now. Thank you for freedom and thank you for your kingdom to come. In the name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen. Okay, so I want to take you to Luke chapter 4 in a moment, before you get to Luke chapter 4, at the end of Luke chapter 3, we see Jesus, the giant, the dragon slayer, being baptized in water. And as he was baptized in water, it says, and the heavens opened, and he heard the voice of his father saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was affirmed, but It's this incredible moment. Jesus obeyed his father. He was baptized, although he had no sin. And then the heavens opened. And that is what we are trusting for with this conference in two weeks. That we will experience an open heavens. So that the result of that is we're going to hear the voice of God. And I tell you, when you hear the voice of God, it rocks your world. So we're trusting for an upgrade in the prophetic. We're trusting that our our spiritual senses would awaken, that you and I would see and hear the voice of God. Okay, so with Jesus, he heard the voice of his father encouraging him, strengthening him, and then he went into battle. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it speaks of, of him going... 
into okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the scripture in a moment before i read that scripture so slaying deception principle number one is really basic but really important god is good devil is bad okay and you say well we know that but sometimes we don't know that sometimes we get confused sometimes something bad happens in our lives and we're like god why are you doing this to me and then it's not god so what the enemy does is he, he he causes bad things to happen and then we and then he blames god he says huh, see what god does to you see he doesn't love you see he's not good and sometimes people like this argument as well it's like okay andre you say god is good but then god has created everything so didn't he then create evil and therefore isn't he evil so a lot of people like that argument, but they don't understand scripture. So how this works is, God is a God of relationship. He's a loving father. He wants relationship with you and me. And so he made angels and he made us and then he took this massive risk. He gave us free will. You see, you can't have real relationship if it is forced. Love needs to be a choice. We need to choose to love him back. He loves us, but we need to choose to love him back. If it's not a choice and love is forced, you call that rape. And God is a good God. So he took this incredible step. He gave us a free will. And the result is, when it comes to free will, is if we choose him, if we choose to love him, and we draw near to him, we experience his nature. We experience love, joy, peace, light, blessing. We experience all that he is. But if we reject him, if we turn away from him, and we go the other way, what's the result? You turn away from all that is good, and the result is you get everything that is bad. So in the absence of God, you will have hatred, bitterness, depression, cursing, restlessness. Everything that's bad is on the other side of who God is. So God didn't create evil. He made angels that chose to rebel against him and they became evil because they turned away from him. They took on the nature that is opposite of God. In other words, if you turn off the lights here right now, what do you have? Darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. So that is so important to understand. God is good. He did not make evil. Those who turn away from Him become evil. Okay? And that's the very definition of hell. Hell is a place where God is not. So you have the opposite of who He is. So that is so important to understand. God is good, is not the author of evil. So that's like strategy 101 of the enemy. He does something bad and then he gets you to blame God. And then you disconnect from the one who loves you, wants to strengthen you, wants to help you. Okay, so that's really important. So say that with me. God is good. God is good. Devil is bad. 
Okay, do not be confused. Good things from, come from God, bad things come from the enemy. Okay, so that is like starting point, foundational principle. Then slaying deception principle number two. You need to keep your heart set on God by embracing discomfort. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. So Jesus just been affirmed by his dad, was in open heavens. He received the word of his father. And then... It says there, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. So first thing there, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. So he was on fire, passionate. There wasn't lukewarmness or a half-heartedness with Jesus. He was always set, his heart was always set on the Father. He had intimacy with the Father. His heart was set on his Father. He was passionate. Then it says he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. That reveals that Jesus had a soft heart. So he was led by the Spirit because of his soft heart. He obeyed the Spirit. Verse 2, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. So if you want to stay free from deception, you need to do like Jesus did. Passion. Fire, fully engaged with God, eyes of the heart set upon the Lord. You see, it's like this, there's this balancing act that we need to do. So here's a picture of a guy walking on a, on a rope. It's like, you, it's like you're balancing and you're walking, but the only way you're going to hold your balance, you need, you need to look right in front of you. You need to keep your eyes upon Jesus. Eyes and heart fully set upon Jesus. Then you can remain balanced. Then you can stay on track and you can stay out of deception. In other words, this Christian thing doesn't work when you do it half-heartedly. It doesn't work when you are looking everywhere else or even to yourself. The moment you look away from Him... Deception begins. It's a journey. It's a process. But the moment you look away from him, then you go off track and you find yourself feeding the flesh. And you go all these paths of deception. It starts simply by looking away from Jesus. And that reveals that you and I, we need to be on fire for God. It just doesn't work when you're half-hearted. It just doesn't work. Your deception is rooted in the flesh. I spoke about that last week. When we feed the flesh, we're going to find ourselves going off track. So, so this is the deception of the comfort zone. The, the thing where you're, ah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm not really desperate for God. You know, everything's going fine. You know, no crisis. Everything's cool. I'm just going to chill. Just like go with the flow. That's when deception sets in. The best example of this is actually David, King David. We spoke about him last week. He's this giant slayer. A man in love with God, intimate worshiper, and yet a warrior, a soldier for the cause. And he takes down the giant. And we see as his life progresses, you know, his armies took land and they, and they brought peace to the region. And then some years later... When everything was wonderful, 
Things have settled. David became complacent. David became passive. It says that in the season when kings go out to do battle, David didn't go. He sent his armies, they went to fight, and he was roaming around at home, his palace, comfortable. Everything was not fine. Deception was getting a foothold in his heart. He was feeding the flesh, walking on the palace roof, and then he saw Bathsheba, beautiful lady, bathing, and then flesh took him down a horrific path, a path of destruction. He committed adultery, then he killed Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, tried to cover things up, and he brought a massive curse upon his line. The end result was his own children killed one another, and the, the, the sword never left his family. Now the scary thing is, he is a man who was a worshiper, a man intimate with the Lord. He committed adultery, he killed the husband, he covered things up, and you know what? He didn't repent. Nine months later, after baby was born and whatever else, then the prophet comes and he rebukes him and says, You are that man. You that man. And then he repented. He said, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. But can you see this journey of complacency that leads to deep, deep deception? And maybe you and I might not have been all that down all that path, but I tell you, there are measures of losing your way, measures of complacency and of feeding the flesh and of committing things. And you think, man, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Until the word of the Lord comes and says, you that man, you are that woman. You have lost your way. Your heart has become hard. You are deceived. Turn. Turn. You see, that you can only stay free from deception if your heart... And your thoughts are on the Lord. And you are fully committed to God. So where are you at right now? How's your fire for Jesus? Or are you complacent? Comfortable? Going through the motions? Not desperate? And, and I think this is like all of our challenges. I mean, when when we, we started here with the church originally, 12 years ago or so, 13 years ago, you know, at the start it was like first few years I was desperate. Jesus, please add to the church. God is like, I just sometimes didn't know if there's still going to be a church next week. It's like, God, we need you. And then over time things start working, church grows, things going well. And then the temptation, stop risking. Stop pushing for more. Just chill, man. Have a blast. That is the challenge. That is the temptation. The temptation of the comfort zone. And I tell you, we can never go there. Why? Because there are still people that need to be reached for Christ. There are young people like Braden who desperately need someone to pray for them or they will lose their way completely. There are so many people in the valley of decision. There is a battle to fight. We can never say, okay, it's done. Now let's just chill. No. We need to be more urgent. We need to up our game more. Amen. So how's your heart? How's your passion? And then we see it. The, the king that became uncomfortable. You know who I'm speaking about? Jesus. I mean, Jesus was in heaven, 
in the glory. I mean, that's probably the most comfortable place you can be in the world. Heaven. No pain. No issues. But love moved him. Love moved Jesus out of the glory to come. His spirit being born into human form, little baby, and experience all the suffering and the challenges that humanity goes through. Love moved him to become uncomfortable. That's what love does. And then he had his, his, his 30 years and then ministry for three years and he had opposition from everywhere. I mean, the religious leaders, the devil himself. I mean, they, he had pressure from every side culminating in the cross, laying down his life for mankind. Now that and the cross is the most uncomfortable, painful thing we can imagine. But Jesus showed us the way. He says, guys, this is the Christian walk. Pick up your cross and follow. You want to stay free from deception? Set your heart on Jesus by choosing to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Because when you are uncomfortable, that's when you need Jesus. Amen. Let's follow. Follow our Savior. That is the key if you want to stay out of deception. The gift of discomfort. I think sometimes... The greatest curse you can have in your life is that everything's fine. I've seen that. It's my own family. I'm like, they're so much nice people. And everything's fine. So it's so hard to get them to turn to Jesus because they're not desperate. And I have found that those who are struggling tend to be more desperate for Jesus. I came to Jesus because I was uncomfortable. I was struggling in my stuff. God set me up. Who who experienced that? Who came to Jesus because of some trial or suffering or challenges you went through? Because that was for me. I was like, man, I need help. And then Jesus came. That's how it works. So sometimes your biggest curse is that everything's fine. No, choose to be uncomfortable. Choose to make yourself uncomfortable. So keep your heart set on God by embracing Discomfort. That's principle number two. Then principle number three of slaying deception. Abide in God's word with a soft heart. So Luke chapter 4, verse 3. Now the devil comes to tempt Jesus. And the Holy Spirit led him into an uncomfortable place where Jesus is fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. And now the devil comes. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, order the stone to turn into a loaf of bread. And Jesus replied to him, it is written, man shall not live and be sustained by bread alone, but by every word and expression of God. So Jesus was tempted to shift his trust from God and from the word of God onto change, turn that, that, that stone into bread. Feed yourself, Jesus. You've been fasting for 40 days. And Jesus refused. He says, no, man shall not live by bread alone. You, sh- you live by the, the word of God is what sustains me. And so in John 8, 31, Jesus says, then Jesus, just John 8, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Okay, so Jesus is saying, If you want to discern who is a true follower of Jesus, 
If you want to be freed from deception and understand who is a true follower of Christ, it is those who abide in the word of the Lord. What does it mean? That means those who hear the word of God and those who take it to heart and then do it. And that's the big thing. Not just hear it, one ear in, other ear out. You hear it, it impacts your heart, and it moves you in terms of how you live. As the scriptures in James 1 says that those who hear the word but who do not do it, they deceive themselves. Okay? And then verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I mean, experientially know it, not just in your head, like it impacts your heart and then it moves. You shall know the truth and it shall set you free. So what I'm praying for is like with Russia, like the whole population will realize what kind of leader they have. That they would get the truth of this egomaniac and what he's doing so that they would vote him out in 2024 in Jesus' name. But the power of the truth is that it can change a nation. It can change our homes, our lives. You shall know the truth, and it shall set you free. So I think one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy is that he takes Christianity and he reduces it to a lesser version of itself. He says to us, hey, you've gone to church every now and again. You read the Bible every now and again. You're fine. It's all good. Continue as is. When if I read the scriptures, it is a completely different standard. About surrendering our lives, signing up to the army of the Lord, following Him passionately, pursuing Him with everything within us. That is the real deal. And so that's the truth. If we are not doers of the word, only hearers, we deceive ourselves. And one of the biggest, scariest things in scripture is that the danger of those who are extremely religious, but who have a hard heart, they become the enemies of the cross. The enemies of the cross. So this is the warning to us who have been Christians for longer than six months. The danger of becoming religious, of being religious, but having a hard heart. And we see this in Mark chapter 3. So... Jesus is in the synagogue, and the, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the guys who should know, the guys who study the scriptures, they are on a mission to catch him out. And so they have heard that he heals on the Sabbath, he, he breaks the law. So they want to catch him out. And look at what Jesus says. Because there's a guy with a withered hand, he's probably born like it, so his hand is like, for, for all his whole life, his arm, hand has been... Like really messed up. And the love of God is moving Jesus to heal him. And so it says in verse 5, And when he had looked around at them with anger. Imagine that. Imagine Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, looking around at the religious people with anger. And it says being grieved. By the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Imagine, like, looking at and saying, the, looking at the hardness 
of their hearts. These are the guys that should know. These are the guys that study the scriptures. These are the guys that have been to synagogue, to church like every Sunday. And they even fast. And what happens? Verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians, the politicians, against him. How they might destroy him. That is a scary passage. And this is easy now to throw a rock at the church down the road. This is not for the church down the road. This is for you. This is for me. This is the massive danger of doing church year in and year out, but not allowing God to soften your heart. This is when massive deception comes in that those who should be the cheerleaders preparing the way for Jesus, they become those who fight against Him, who resist the Holy Spirit, who have hard hearts and a stiff neck. Those who want to destroy the one that they've been waiting for for centuries. That is scary. And I tell you, none of us are immune to this. None of us. None of us. If you've been around the block long enough, you'd say, yeah, I've heard that sermon before. Andre, I think he preached something like this like three years ago. And I've heard it. Man, I've read that verse. Come on, man, up your game a bit. Make me move, you know, whatever. You know, like, I've heard that. I've heard so many messages. I've gone through it. I've read that passage. I've heard, I have the knowledge. I know. But we don't realize that our hearts become hard. And we lose the childlikeness, the childlike passion for Jesus. We become professional Christians. That is my danger. I know it. We know how to lift our hands. We know how to go through the motions. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Not pray for you. You know, whatever. You know, you're like, yes. You know the lingo. You know the scriptures. You've been through all of that. But you haven't realized that your heart has become hard. And when your heart becomes hard... I mean, this is massive deception. It's like you're in the U- Ukraine, and you're like, I am for the Ukraine, and I'm joining the Ukrainian army, and you get deceived, you actually join the Russian army. You're fighting for the opposition, and you're running around with your guns, and your guns the wrong way around, so you're shooting Ukrainian soldiers accidentally. Da, 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 da. Why? Because what happens is when we get a hard heart, we become judgmental, we become critical, we become opinionated. We, we, we find ourselves working for the enemy. Instead of seeing the good, instead of rejoicing, instead of being thankful, instead of celebrating all the good things that God is doing. So this is the challenge. We need to evaluate our hearts. So a hard heart is fertile soil for deception. A hard heart. Where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? A soft heart is fertile soil for God's word to bring transformation. Next slide. A soft heart is fertile soil for God's word to bring transformation. Then the word gets, then we abide in the word and it changes us. It's like, this is so so deceptive. It's like when when the heart becomes hard, especially for Christians who have been a while in the game, and like, oh man, I'm. I wouldn't say it aloud, but you know, I am a little bit better than those average Christians who like go to church, you know, so I don't want to be part of this, you know, the average, you know, just normal church kind of thing, you know, I want to be like, you know, but it's pride. 
It's disobeying the Lord to not gather, to not be part of community. A humble, childlike heart says, man, I need community. I need people. I need to be part of the Lord's people. So it's so easy to fall for the deceptions of the enemy. And then all the soldiers are going off in their own way. Hard hearts, pride, and trouble. And so Zechariah 7.12 says, Yes, they made their hearts like flint, like really hard. Refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Great wrath. That's the outflow of having a hard heart that you experience the judgment of God. And simply because you're walking away from the Lord. Then the last principle. Slaying deception. Principle number four. Seek first the king. And his kingdom. If you want to slay deception, you need to get your priorities right. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. Seek first the kingdom. Now I seek first myself. I seek first my blessing. For in other words, a large part of the modern church is, man, I'm pursuing my comfort. I want to just add Jesus to my schedule. And I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. And if God doesn't bless me good enough, it's like, what the heck is going on? I'm like over this. Jesus, why are you not blessing me? I like gave money last month. Why is my business not flourishing? What the heck's going on? <laughs> so in other words, we get the thing the wrong way around. It's like, seek self first for many instead of seek first the kingdom I think that's one of the biggest deceptions that is running around in the church world right now so where's your priorities how, 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 have, you, how, how have you positioned yourself in terms of the, the kingdom of God. You see, when we say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom, that means I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to do things that doesn't benefit me. You know, it's like, say, with, with our Shofar family, we've got 40 plus churches. And I was appointed to be on, on, the, on the leadership team. And I've been, over the years, like so many times, I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> this is so uncomfortable. There's so many opinions, there's so, many push, so much pushback at times, and my character has built like really crazily in all of this. Forgiving people, and you know, pastors sometimes are really difficult to lead. And, because <laughs> they've got strong opinions, because you need strong opinions, okay. But so many times I'm like, what am I doing? And it, I'm often like, no, it would be better for me, like most other pastors, they just focus on their own deal. They just build their own church and their own ministry because that's easier. And that's also super selfish. And I'm reminded of the word the Lord gave to me. He said to me, Andre, lead. So I'm just going to obey Jesus. I'm going to lead. I'm going to love. I'm going to serve. I'm going to keep on serving, keep on loving, and keep on forgiving. <laughs> And trust God for the, for the fruit. But I'm going to obey the Lord, even though it is uncomfortable. And I think this is our challenge. If we, if, because this is the test. If you're truly seeking first the kingdom, are you willing to make yourself 
uncomfortable for the cause of Christ. Are you willing? That's the taste. That is the taste for each one of us. Are we first seeking the kingdom of God? You see, if you make the kingdom your priority, then it will become your reality. Then. Then it will become your reality. When you seek first the kingdom. So one of the best examples is this, ending off with this, is that the well-known prayer, Our Father. How does it work? He says, Our Father, not my Father, Our Father. Then it goes on and says, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it comes to give us this day our daily bread. Are you seeing it? It's not, Lord, give me my daily bread. And by the way, let your kingdom come. No, it's like, God, you are glorious. It's all about you. You are the Almighty. You lay down your life for me. I lay down my life for you. Jesus, you are my everything. I mean, how can we spend time with the king and not have a passion for his kingdom? When you spend time with him, he changes you and you get his heart. And and that's where I've been in this last space, in this last while. I'm just, Jesus, I come to lay down myself. Whatever you want. It's yours. God, don't just bless our church here, Lord God. Bless your church in East London. Because it's not about me, it's about your kingdom. And not only bless East London, God bless our country, because Lord, this is your country. So where are you at? What are you seeking first? What are you seeking first? Adding Jesus to your schedule, or are you saying, Jesus, you are it, I'm changing my schedule for you. Then you're going to experience, then it says, and all these other things will be blessed. Then God will add to you. He's going to bless you, yes, but that's not the focus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.